Hi, everybody. This is Tyler Martin, the host of the Friction Factor Fitness Podcast, the podcast that is dedicated to teaching busy people how to develop lifelong fitness habits and fit sustainable diet and exercise into their life. In this episode, we are going to be talking about why you should be doing strength training as a part of your general fitness routine. We're going to talk about the importance of selecting the right types of exercises for your strength training regimen, especially for busy people at home. And we're going to be talking about selecting the right types of equipment to use for your home gym setting. And we're going to be referring a lot to the general concept of friction in this episode, which is the inefficient use of time and energy in exercise processes. Please go back to episode number one of the podcast if you haven't already listened to that because we give a much more in-depth description of friction, what it is, and why it is so detrimental to developing long-term exercise habits. Okay, so with that, let's jump right in. Why should you be strength training? And that is obviously a loaded question. So I'll come clean here that yes, I'm advocating that for the most part, everyone should be doing some form of strength training, at least adults. And the number one reason for that is the preservation of your lean muscle mass or your your muscle tissue. So body composition, it's a good measure of your overall health. So if you're not familiar with the term body composition, basically it's the ratio of the different types of materials and tissues that your body is composed of and generally when we talk about body composition we're talking about the weight of your bones the weight of your fat tissue and ligaments and the weight of your muscle and when we say your lean tissue predominantly we're talking about the weight of your your muscle tissue that you carry on your frame so it's so it's your body weight with the you know the weight of bones removed, bones and fat removed, so it's just the lean tissue. Um, So that's what people mean when we talk about body composition are, you know, the different ratios between your fat and your bone and your ligaments and your muscle tissue. And so when it comes to strength training, what strength training does is, is it helps us develop more lean tissue, more muscle mass. And it also, depending on the type of strength training you're doing, it will at least maintain the lean tissue that you carry on your frame. And the reason that that is so important is that as we age, naturally, the amount of muscle tissue that we carry on our frame, the amount of lean tissue is degraded. It depletes over time. And this is a process that really starts for people at some point in their 30s. It really depends on the individual to get down to the exact year. But in general, people start to lose muscle mass or muscle tissue on a regular basis year over year at some point in their 30s. And if you're not doing anything about this, if you're not engaging in regular strength training activity to maintain muscle tissue or build more muscle tissue, then you're steadily losing muscle tissue. So by age 50, if you haven't done anything to prevent this from happening, chances are that you've already 
lost muscle mass, muscle tissue to the degree where you can start to notice it in day-to-day -day life in terms of your mobility. So just normal tasks of life, like bending over to pick up a box, standing up to get out of a chair, just everyday functional movements can start to become a little bit more difficult because you've lost muscle tissue that you just had naturally at a younger age. So this is something that can continue to get worse into old age and eventually make you more susceptible to you know, loss of balance, to falling, breaking a hip, which is very, very bad because there's all kinds of complications that can arise from that and, and can lead to more serious situations. So just from a functional movement perspective and quality of life perspective, it's, it's very important to engage in strength training just to be able to maintain the muscle mass that you have and hopefully build a little bit more just to kind of give you some buffer to ensure that your, uh, you know, your functional movement abilities stay where they need to be um, and also help you achieve your other, your other fitness goals that may be related to strength training. I also want to address a stigma around strength training that has to do with building muscles. Some people have this notion that if they start to do any type of strength training, that they're going to build a huge amount of big bulky muscles and look like some kind of a Hulk or a behemoth. And I, I want to address that because I, a lot of people refrain from doing any kind of strength training because they're worried about this. And so let's let's take care of this concern before we jump into anything else. Firstly, this is not something that you should worry about. Building large muscles like a bodybuilder or an athlete requires multiple things for that to happen. So it requires a pretty significant calorie surplus, which means eating more calories than your body requires just to sustain itself and its systems. And in addition to that, that, that high calorie intake also has to include all the right types of nutrients. So high protein, the right amount of carbs and fat and all that stuff. So if you're not eating to build large muscles, strength training is not going to deliver large muscles is the best way to think about it. Will you get stronger from doing strength training with challenging resistance over time? Yes, you'll gain some strength. Part of that is is more um, has to do with neurological factors and your nervous system, you know, learning to generate more power um, through the various muscle groups and so forth. So you will gain some strength. Will you gain some lean muscle mass? You probably will. It probably won't be a significant amount unless you're eating to do so like we just talked about, but you will probably gain a bit of muscle mass, but that's nothing to worry about. It's actually a good thing like we just talked about a few minutes ago from a muscle degeneration standpoint as we age. But more than likely, especially if you're someone who lives a more sedentary lifestyle or doesn't exercise regularly, you're more likely to lose weight even if you gain muscle in the long run from doing regular strength training because you're going to be more active um, and that additional muscle will actually help increase your metabolic rate. And just being engaged in physical activity more often is also going to burn some more calories. So in all likelihood, even if you gain a couple pounds of, of lean muscle, you're more likely overall to lose weight 
Um, so this whole idea of, of you know, being gun shy or being concerned about getting into any type of strength training for fear of building these big bulky muscles is really something that you just shouldn't worry about. Next, let's talk about how much strength training should you actually be doing? Well, of course, that all depends on what your goals are, what you're trying to achieve. It can vary widely based on all of that. But what this podcast is about is really getting the the baseline general health benefits of everything we've been discussing. Hopefully, preventing any muscular degeneration over time, hopefully building a little bit of muscle mass to help you buffer against that. Um, and there also, of course, there's some, some other fitness and aesthetic benefits that come with gaining a little bit of muscle and help with self-confidence, make you feel stronger. And also, of course, just the, the functional benefits of, of being more mobile and uh, being able to engage with the world in a healthy way. So to, in order to achieve this, this, these general benefits of strength training, the broad recommendation from the American College of Sports Medicine for all people, people, adults of all ages, is to exercise with strength training. Exercise the arms, chest, shoulders, back, and legs two to three times per week. So that's the general recommendation that everyone should be following in order to get get those baseline benefits of strength training. So that's really what we're going to be focused on in this podcast is is the strength training exercises that you can hone in on to help achieve these these basic strength training benefits with the least amount of time and effort so that you can build habits around these and hopefully turn it turn strength regular strength training into a lifelong habit. So now that you understand why strength training is important to be done regularly and how often you should be doing it, let's talk about some of the barriers one of the biggest barriers that people encounter when they commit to engaging in strength training on a consistent basis, some type, following some type of a strength training program, is the struggle around selecting the specific types of exercises to do. And this is hard because there are just so many options to choose from. It can be very daunting to, for instance, walk into a commercial gym and be confronted with hundreds of different options literally in front of your eyes, right? There are machines everywhere, dozens and dozens of machines. There are free weights. There's cable machines. There's resistance bands. There's weight plates. There are literally hundreds of options, especially if you, you walk into a big gym. And even at home, there, there are too many options. Even though you may not have any equipment or you may have limited equipment at home, there's still so many different things you could do. There's so many different types of body weight exercises, resistance band exercises. If you have a set of dumbbells or free weights, there's so many things that you could do. And what most people end up doing is open up their phone and scouring through YouTube videos to try to find a workout that they think is the right thing to, um, to help them you know, start to get down the path of, of following a program. So what is this feeling of being overwhelmed by having too many options to choose from? This is a great example of the concept of friction, which we've talked about in the previous podcast. Go back and listen uh, if you haven't done that already, but in 
Brief, friction is the inefficient use of time and energy in exercise processes. This is a prime example because that paralysis, that decision paralysis of not being able to choose creates this negative barrier, this negative association or hesitancy to jump into any type of strength training for lots of reasons of thinking, I just don't know what exercises to do. And the root behind that is this fear that you're doing the wrong thing, that you've made a decision to do something that's actually not going to get you closer to your goals and you may be wasting your time and energy, right? So that that's a great example of friction is this fear that I'm not doing the right thing and I'm not going to be productive and ultimately cause you to to perhaps give up on your endeavor to to strength train. So how do we overcome this? How do we overcome this exercise friction of not being able to choose or not being confident that we've selected the right exercises to try? Well, first, we need a way to delimit the options available to us, to whittle it down to something manageable so that we can choose between a handful of options that we're confident are actually going to be productive options to to select from. So it's about having the right principles upon which to base your decisions, right? So what you need to do is we need to understand what what types of exercises would be the most productive for a strength training workout, given my limitations of, I I want my exercise to be as effective as possible in the least amount of time possible and, and with the least energy. So a way to think about it is, what are the exercises that give me the most bang for my buck? For busy people that are really trying to eliminate friction from exercise, the most productive types of exercise that you can do for strength training are called compound exercises. Compound exercises are sometimes known as multi-joint exercises because they require, as the name implies, they require using multiple joints in order to complete the motion versus a what's called a single joint exercise, which only requires the movement of a, a single joint, as, as the name implies. So for example, An exercise like a squat, a traditional squat, requires both the use of the knee joint as well as the hips to move. So you have to use both of those joints to complete a squatting motion versus an exercise like a bicep curl that only requires you to bend the elbow as you extend and contract your muscles in order to to complete a bicep curl. So that's really the, the difference is the number of joints involved in the movement. And the reason that compound exercises are more efficient is because they generally recruit the most amount of muscle as well as they tend to recruit a higher number of muscles to complete the movement. So you're using more muscles in one fluid motion as compared to an isolation exercise where you're using a fewer number of muscles to complete the motion. So you need to select compound exercises and you want to select compound exercises that target those main muscle groups that we talked about a few minutes ago that would constitute a full body workout. So as I said, arms, chest, shoulders, back and legs. You want compound exercises that work those primary large muscle groups. That is the way that you get to a complete workout regiment that's going to work everything you need to work in the least amount of time with the least amount of energy. All right, so 
now that you understand what compound exercises are and what makes them the best choice when you have a low amount of time and energy to get through exercise. Now let's get specific. I want to get specific and talk about the types of compound exercises that you should be considering for at-home workouts. So there are six primary compound movements that you really should be including in a full body exercise regimen. And they are first the horizontal push and then the horizontal pull and then some type of a vertical push, so overhead push, and then a vertical pull, so a pull down from above, and then some type of hip dominant pull, and then some type of quad dominant push, so the, the large muscles in the front of your leg, the, the quadriceps. So just quickly, I will give some specific exercise recommendations for each one of those, those six compound exercise types. And just keep in mind as you consider which specific exercises are going to be right for your home gym setting, really the key to selecting the right one that's best for you is first taking your safety into account, your experience, your level of comfort with, with different types of exercises. You also need to keep in mind just your physical space constraints. So depending on where you're going to be setting up your exercise area in your home, and how much space you have for equipment and things like that. And of course, your budget, you also need to keep that in mind, obviously. You know, and it may be that you, you start with very simple options. And you know, as you become more committed and feel more confident in your exercise regimen and your ability to stick to that as you form a habit, you may you be willing to invest more you know, in better or more expensive equipment. Okay, so first let's dive into the horizontal push exercise. The horizontal push really focuses on those large muscles in the chest um, and also the shoulders and the upper back. The most common horizontal push exercises are first the simple push-up, which requires no equipment. And then there's also the push-up with resistance bands. If you need to add additional resistance to make it more challenging, that's a simple, easy, and effective way to do that. Next, there's the traditional bench press, which requires a basic weight bench, weight rack, a barbell, an Olympic-style barbell with some weight plates. And then there are also dumbbell presses, which can be done similarly with a traditional weight bench and a set of dumbbells. Next is the horizontal pull, which really focuses on the large back muscles. So the lats, the rhomboid, the trapezius muscles, and then also the biceps. The most common horizontal pull exercises are resistance band rows, which just require a set of resistance bands. Next are barbell rows, which require some type of weight bar, like an Olympic-style weightlifting bar, and some weight plates. There are dumbbell rows, which require uh, a set of dumbbells and then some type of, of basic weight bench. And then lastly, there are all kinds of different cable row setups and apparatuses and also rowing machines that are potential options. Next is the vertical push or overhead push compound exercise, which really focuses on the shoulder muscles and also engages the chest and the arms. So some great at-home vertical push exercise options are first the pike press, 
which you may not have heard of before, but it doesn't require any equipment. It's very similar in execution to a traditional push-up, except the body is bent at a 90 degree angle at the hips, so the buttocks are elevated above the head, which puts more emphasis on the use of the shoulders through the motion. And then there are resistance band overhead presses, which can be done either sitting or standing, which obviously requires a set of bands and either a chair or a weight bench that you can adjust into like an upright position. And then there are dumbbell presses, which are very similar, except they require a set of dumbbells and are done in a sitting position. So again, in the chair or in some type of adjustable weight bench that allows you to sit upright. Next is the vertical pull, which really works the opposing or antagonist muscles in the back and arms. Some great at-home options for this are first, just traditional pull-ups or chin-ups, which just require some type of simple pull-up bar. If you're not able to do, if you don't have the upper body strength yet to do pull-ups or chin-ups on your own, you can decrease the difficulty by using resistance bands or a chair to do what are called assisted pull-ups or chin-ups. Then other options are resistance band pull-downs of some kind, which just require a resistance band set and a good place to mount your resistance bands. Door frames work really great for this. The next compound movement is the hip dominant pull type of exercise. So these exercises focus on the large lower body muscles, primarily the glutes and hamstrings. So some great at home options for hip dominant pulls are first resistance band deadlifts, which just require a set of resistance bands. Normally you wanna have probably some heavier duty resistance bands to make sure that you've got a challenging amount of resistance to work with. Next are dumbbell deadlifts, which just require a set of dumbbells. And again, you wanna make sure you've got dumbbells that are heavy enough to give you an adequate amount of resistance to work with. And then there's the traditional deadlift, which just requires a weight bar and weight plates. And then if you want an alternative to the deadlift, there are also weighted back extensions, which require what's called a hyperextension bench, which are actually quite affordable and they don't actually take up very much space. I have one in my basement and I use it all the time. That also will require you to have either some adequately challenging dumbbells or weight bar with plates. Okay, the last of the six primary compound movements are quad dominant push exercises. And they really focus on the quadriceps, so the big muscles um, at the upper part of your leg, and they also engage your glutes, your hamstrings, and other smaller stabilizing muscles in the leg. So some great at-home options for this are first, the weighted lunge, which just requires a set of dumbbells. And again, you wanna make sure that you've got a challenging amount of weight when you're doing these lower body exercises. There are also resistance band squats, which just require a set of resistance bands that give you a challenge. And then lastly, there is the traditional squat, of course, which does require a bit more equipment. You need some type of squat rack, which you can find good options that are less expensive and can fit in a smaller home gym space. They do need to have some type of safety spotting mechanism because 
you're not going to be doing this normally with a partner. You're going to be exercising in isolation, or at least that's what I advocate. So you do need some way to ensure that you're safe if you're going to be doing a traditional squat. In addition to some type of a rack with a safety spotter, you also need obviously a weight bar and some weight plates. Okay, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. So let's just quickly hit some of the key takeaways. Today we first talked about the benefits of strength training and why you should be incorporating strength training in your exercise regimen. So strength training delivers all kinds of body composition benefits. Mainly it helps to prevent the loss of lean tissue or muscle mass over time and also can help you to build more muscle tissue which is going to promote mobility functionality and enhance your overall quality of life and probably also give you a boost of confidence as well we talked about the challenge of exercise selection and how that's a major point of friction for people mainly because they're not confident about the choices that they're making in the types of exercises that they're they're actually actually selecting and we talked about how we can simplify the selection process by leveraging the power of compound strength training exercises, which are especially a great option for busy people that don't have a lot of time and energy. And then we specifically looked at the six essential compound movement types that you should be incorporating in any resistance training program. And we talked about some of the specific exercise options in each one of those categories that may work well in your home gym setting. So in future episodes, we're gonna dive even more deeply into how to organize your different exercises into specific daily workouts. We'll talk about what other types of exercises you should be incorporating and many more ways to eliminate friction from your exercise processes. Remember that ultimately, what we're trying to do here is make exercise behaviors as repeatable as possible that, so that they'll fit into your busy life. And ultimately, that's going to increase the chances that you're going to build lifelong exercise habits. Thanks again for listening to the Friction Factor Fitness Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or got value out of it, please subscribe, please like, and please share with others who you think may get some value out of the podcast. Also, please visit the website, frictionfactorfitness.com, where you can access more content, articles, and learn about my book, The Friction Factor, The Busy Person's Guide to Sustainable Diet and Exercise, which is going to be launching in March of 2023. Thank you again, and stay tuned for more content.